Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, my friend. How are you? I hope you've had a good week. It is great to be back with you with another episode of Catch Up with Louise Makshari. Or if you're just listening for the first time, you are very welcome. Thank you so much for giving it a shot. I hope you will enjoy it. This is a podcast which is basically dedicated to catching you up on the week if you're busy or you simply like to disengage from current affairs and the world of entertainment during the week. Um, hopefully I can catch you up so you can be ready to Get stuck into any conversations with my, which might come your way over the course of the weekend or indeed the week. Um, I hope you had a great week. If you didn't, that's okay too. Um, mine was up and down, I won't lie. Didn't do anything really f- majorly fun over the last week. It's been a lot of, well now, oh, the man police would be after me. I was about to say it was a lot of family time. And then the mamba police would be like, what are you saying? You don't enjoy your kids? Um, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. My three-year-old is going through a very difficult phase at the moment. He is really something else. Um, like, you know, that expression, three-nager, um, that's kind of where we are at the moment. Like, frequently he comes home and is too angry to, like, eat his dinner. Um, but I just keep reminding myself that my six-year-old also went through this phase and it will pass, um, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, So yeah, it's been that kind of a week, but hopefully yours has been better. Um, And no matter what, I am here to catch you up. We've got lots to talk about, so I think we should just get stuck in. I'm going to flag from the start that our interview this week, I think you're really going to love. So I met recently a like a top tier skin expert. His name is Dr. David Jack. He has a clinic in Harley Street in London. He does every kind of bit of skincare you could possibly want, including the like aesthetic treatments like Botox or filler and stuff like that. But he's got such an interesting perspective on it all and um, almost like a minimalist perspective. And um, I had a great chat with him, which is coming up a little bit later. But first, let's catch up on the news. As always, the glorious, even more political correspondent from the Sunday Times is here to fill us in and what's been going on in the world of news. Aoife Moore, political correspondent from the Sunday Times Ireland. Hello, greetings. Good to have you coming to us live from your home county of Derry. 
Yes, home city. Home county. Okay. I know after I said um, that, I was like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm here. Um, I'm giving a talk to a boys' school today, which I'm quite... I don't know what to make of it because usually my whole brand is like all oh, men are terrible so I'm gonna to have to be nice teenage boys yeah interesting well you look great they'll listen well, because you look great and that's we know <laughs> how the world works um yep. okay well since you are a busy businesswoman and um, we better get stuck into the news and we'll start with just I mean it has been an awful week for people who work in tech in Ireland and around the world yes. and it's been very hard to watch actually as kind of group after group of people find out that their jobs are no longer there. Yeah, I was actually saying there's definitely a 2008-2009 vibe off this news. That's what it felt like. So this week, uh, uh, Stripe, um, the digital payment company, Twitter and Facebook's parent company, Meta, have all announced that they're going to begin large-scale layoffs this week. So last week, when Elon Musk took over Twitter, people woke up in the morning in America and found out they had lost their jobs because they couldn't log into their computer in the Dublin mm-hmm. office. Their key cards couldn't get, you know, they couldn't get in the door. So that was the kind of start of it. Mm-hmm. And then we heard about Stripe, who employs a lot of people in Limerick. And then we heard about uh, Facebook as well. So there has been a lot of concern because we know, especially in Dublin, but in Ireland in general, how reliant we are on the tech sector now you know it's one of our biggest businesses one of our biggest employers mm-hmm. um the state is hugely reliant on it so they reckon it's around 275,000 people mm-hmm. or one in nine irish workers mm-hmm. are employed by a tech company so people are getting really really spooked by this yeah and, and I, I think, think it's like just, it's, anyone our age knows people working in these companies anyone our age in dublin exactly. knows people exactly. i mean i would say a lot of us know people who found out this week or last week that they no longer have a job yeah, and I think as well that like it's kind of people talk about kind of in the abject, just like oh well, you know the tech bubbles bursting and it doesn't really take into account that these are real people with real jobs. Yeah. And, like a lot of them are young people mm-hmm. as well, and they might have only worked in Facebook or they might have only worked in Twitter from starting yeah. out. You know, they like they take on lots of graduates. So yeah, it's really tough. You know, the government are a bit spooked by it. So the IDA met with um, Leo Verager on Monday to chat to him about the tech sector and he is trying to comfort people. He said, you know, there is still a strong pipeline of new investments from overseas and that we can still rely on the tech sector. Um, He then went on about how the government or the country is still in full employment Mm -hmm. and there's a high demand for tech and marketing and, you know, those things. I would just say, you know, when someone says it's full employment, that sounds a lot better on paper. But we know in reality, a lot of that is, you know, unpa- uh, very low paid jobs mm. and puts people into the work and per. But the other issue is, although the jobs is definitely the human element of it, the other issue is, is that these massive companies pay a lot of corporate, they don't pay enough, I would say, but <laughs> in massive corporation tax. Mm. Um and now, you know, I think it's 33. So a third of our um, tax receipts in Ireland for the government come from those companies. Wow. So if those companies are, you know, reducing uh, in terms of, you know, their profits here, that could then have a knock on effect at the exchequer and then, you know, public services and everything else. So I don't think it's like a red alert, red alert just yet. Mm. But I definitely think, you know, um, 
the human element of obviously people losing their jobs and also there is kind of cause for concern at least yeah about what's happening yeah well just if you're listening and you're one of those people who was affected or you know you have someone in your family or your close circle who was affected like massive sympathies and solidarity I will say from having lost my job publicly and suddenly twice um <laughs> this bit I think Sorry. is the hardest um and you know the best thing you can do is just start having conversations with people there's no shame in it you know I think that's one of the things about losing your job in this kind of circumstance it's not the same as my situation but like you know there's no escaping it like you know even even mm. I texted people this week who I who work in Facebook and I was like look no need to reply but like just thinking of you and hope yeah hope this doesn't affect you so if you are that person there's no getting away from it because everybody knows or everybody's asking and that's tough yeah, yeah. but the best thing you can do I think is just start get out there start having coffees start talking to people start searching because as soon as opportunities start to come up you'll feel a lot better and if you worked mm. in one of those big companies you're obviously very capable so you will be okay, but massive sympathy right now because this is the really, the really shit bit. Mm. Okay, let's talk about America because it was a big week in American politics. Yes, so we um, saw that the midterm elections took place on the 8th of November and it was very much kept to be what they were calling a red wave so that Republicans were going to kind of take over because traditionally what happens is the, the government that's in power, so at the minute, Joe Biden and the Democrats. What typically happens in a midterm is that the party that's in power doesn't do as well. You know, it's a it's just a tradition they've had. However, that hasn't happened this year. Now there hasn't been a night night Democratic one. That's not really how America works. But they have kept the Democrats have kept a lot of states where they thought that they were going to lose. And some of, you know, the worst Republicans who were running in these elections, you know, I'm talking COVID deniers, election deniers, people who don't believe in a woman's right to choose. A lot of those really, really hardline Republicans were defeated at the ballot box. Mm. So it hasn't been exactly a blue wave, but it definitely hasn't been a red wave either. Mm. So most people um, or a lot of people would have seen the Dr. Oz, who famously was on the Oprah show. Mm. He was running in Pennsylvania um, and it came out during the campaign. He didn't live in Pennsylvania. Um, he was running against a fellow called John Fetterman, who had a stroke in the middle of his campaign and John Fetterman still beat Dr. Oz. So there's been um, a lot of talk about, you know, what this means and what they reckon is that abortion and the right to choose was a massive thing. And the politicians and the journalists and the pundits and the pollsters all did not take women's concerns seriously enough. And they thought that, you know, it was a couple of months ago. So women aren't still going to be annoyed about it, are they? Well, it turns out that women very much are still annoyed about it. We mm -hmm. know from all the public polling that um, abortion is popular, uh, abortion rights are popular with Democrats and Republicans. So it's not this split issue. What we saw in a lot of places where people were even splitting tickets, mm. so which means they were voting for a Democrat for one thing and a Republican for another. Mm. And a lot of these um, states had refer like many referendums on their own about abortion rights and overwhelmingly, the public in those states have voted to keep a woman's right to choose. Yes. So I think, as usual, women voters were very much seen as not as important or wouldn't be as strong. Mm. And it has now been seen that abortion played a huge role in these midterms. And also, it seems like your kind of MAGA types didn't do well, right? 
Well, they said that see the cotton could go on for weeks and weeks and weeks because okay. obviously America's um so big and like some of them have really antiquated, you know, voting ways of voting so and counting mm. but um the washington post was saying that at least 159 election deniers had won mm, so that's okay. yeah. that is concerning so um at the minute from when we're talking it is still really 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 close and congress so you have to either run the biden needs to win either congress or the House of Rep- the Senate or the House of Representatives in order to get anything done. Yeah. And it's still very much all they play for. But as okay. I say, this could be this could take weeks. Okay. We'll watch with interest. Um now there was a conversation that happened this week after a debate on the Tonight Show on Virgin Media um about whether or not we were in a state of emergency with housing. Um mm-hmm. which I found interesting. Maybe you can give us a little recap. Yeah, I thought this was quite strange. So um, during the week on the Tonight Show, the housing minister, Dara O'Brien, and Sinn Féin's housing spokesman, Owen O'Brien, went head to head in a debate. And the Claire Rock, the presenter, said to the minister, do you think we are in a state of emergency when it comes to housing? And he said, no, I don't. For many people, it is an emergency, and I recognise that. But he doesn't believe we're in a housing emergency, which I find very strange. So the Minister for Housing is uh, a Dublin TD called Dara O'Brien in Fianna Fáil. Leo Varadkar, for instance, the Tanisha, is very clear that this is a housing emergency. Mm. You know, this is something, the words housing emergency are used quite a lot. This is definitely a deviation from what we've heard before. Now, I don't know if he was like under pressure in the heat of the moment in the debate, but I was very shocked to hear this. I didn't think there was any question that we were in a housing emergency. Mm. Um, So this was obviously picked on then um, by, you know, critics, journalists, opposition. So uh, then in Leaders Questions, Mary Lou MacDonald, the Sinn Féin president, said that these comments were incredible. And she started reading out, you know, the comments and the the messages that she was getting. And I'm sure all TDs get about housing and the effect it's having on people's mental health and the effect it's having on, on children and, and everything else. And then uh, leaders' questions has become like a huge waste of time, I think, between the Taoiseach and Marilyn McDonald because you can't get answer out of either of them. Mm. Um but he said that, you know, Sinn Féin are playing populist games and he said they're populist on a range of issues. Can I but ask, said, I saw this, like, this thing of, like, saying that someone is being populist, like, it's such a weird criticism. Like, I understand what they mean because what they mean is mm-hmm. politically you're trying to play to your, you're trying to play to your people. But, like, uh, yeah, but yeah. also, doesn't it just mean that, like, most people feel this way, kind of? <laughs> like, so, you know, it's like, oh, you're just saying what most people feel. Like, that's a criticism or something. Yeah. It's kind of weird <laughs> You've to got me. your ear to the groin. Yeah, how dare um, you? I think, no, I think they mean it that um, if if the public moved on to something else, so would Sinn Féin yeah, yeah, or yeah, so yeah. would any other public. No, I got so, it. I got it. Um, but yeah, so like the government have defended, you know, housing for all, which is their housing plan, and said, you know, they have built the biggest number of homes since 2008. Um, it's and they said the plan is working. Mm. Then they acknowledged that there was challenges. Um, I'm not going to read out the figures because it's really hard to get. And they, you know, they said that they're going to have um, over 24,000 homes built this year. 
But what they're not saying is that that's not all government homes. That's also homes built by developers. Mm. Um, Who play a role in the problem. um, Yeah. Yeah. So like it's just hard to get a kind of read on what's actually happening. Mm. And then I think Mary Lee McDonald in the T-shirt just having a slang and match doesn't help anyone. But that's very much what Leaders Questions has become. Okay. Um, Now let's talk about the World Cup because the World Cup is kicking off soon in Qatar and I mean there's been talk about this over the last several years ever since Qatar was announced as a host of the World Cup but it's all kind of starting to come to a head so just for people who haven't been paying attention um, and who maybe don't know why it's so controversial can you give us a little a little lowdown yeah so this has been really controversial since it's been announced the World Cup is going to be held in Qatar um it's obviously the first time it's been held um in a Middle Eastern country they're holding it in winter because it's so hot in Qatar um, and Qatar which in itself has, is weird like the World Cup is yeah. summer like that's when the yeah. World Cup is and it is it has been controversial um, for a number of reasons um, key in that Qatar has a horrific um, record on human rights so um, it's a very strict um, country and they you know the women need a male guardian's approval to drive mm-hmm. or leave the country um, I think it goes without saying at this stage it, their laws on LGBT plus people are absolutely disgusting um, they have said that they are willing to turn a blind eye to LGBT fans who travel to the World Cup um, you know people are just saying you know it's not safe for LGBTQI people to travel to the World Cup so their Human Rights Watch and all these other places or uh, like NGOs and charities have said, listen, like this is a terrible idea. We shouldn't be having the World Cup here, not least because the amount of migrants who have died in the construction of these stadiums for people to play football on. Mm. So like poor workers who are coming from other parts of Asia to make money or they have absolutely no rights. People have died building these stadiums because there's no health and safety there. It's just horrific. So there's been a lot of charities recently um, saying, you know, this has been a terrible idea. But the, kind of the, the the newest thing this week was the former FIFA president, Sepp Blatter, who himself has exactly covered in glory um, during his role. But he has said, listen, this was a mistake. Mm. He said, you know, the the Qatar's quite small um, in relation to, you know, the other countries that the World Cup has been held in. And he said, um, you know, not only is it too small, but they're, they haven't taken on social considerations and human rights. If anyone saw, there was a, a LGBTQ Labour MP who stood up in the Commons this week and said it is not safe for him to travel to the World Cup. Um, this, And then in the days since, the, uh, the ambassador, the Qantari World Cup ambassador said gay people have damage in the mind. Mm-hmm. I can't believe this is going ahead. It's clearly all to do with money. People yeah. are rightfully disgusted. People are boycotting it. Yeah. Um. I think, you know, people... Eva, I do, my beloved sorry. Katie McCabe this week said she wouldn't have gone, <laughs> wouldn't have gone to Qatar. Yeah. I was I was Same. waiting for Katie's mm-hmm. name to be raised. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, people are boycotting it Um. because, you know, it was just... I think it was very... Per- I, I would have said it was very poorly thought out, but then... I think money might have had a quite a lot to oh, do it's with the decision. All about money. And this is the thing is that now there are lots of big name acts who are going over to be part of like the opening ceremony and stuff. There mm-hmm. was a wonderful clip from Have I Got News for You um recently where 
Gary Neville. I always get their, the Nevilles mixed up. Gary Neville, um, who mm-hmm. will be commentating the World Cup in Qatar, was hosting and some of the panelists really took him to task on it. I'm going to actually put a clip in now. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah, well, it's very see. good. But you know David Beckham, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, he's going, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How much has he been paid? I don't know. You do know. <laughs> More than me. Yeah. Ian, is it coming home? What, your reputation? <laughs> <laughs> um, the others have been very gentle with you, Gary, but, I <laughs> thanks, mean... Thanks, Ian. The elephant in the room is still there. I mean, you're, you're commentating there, aren't you? Yeah, I'm commentating there. And what's the defence? Football term. We're commentating there. <laughs> well... You've got a choice, I think, haven't you? What, going or not going? Well, (laughs) my view always has been that you either highlight the issues and challenges in these countries and speak about them, or you basically don't say anything, you stay back home and don't go. And I've always said we should challenge them. There's another option, you stay at home and highlight the abuses. You don't have to go and take the Qataris' money. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to be tartan, but, I mean, it's just... It's not a very good defence. And how, how, how is someone like Robbie or the Black Eyed Peas supposed to highlight it? Are they going to make a speech on the stage? Of course they're not. You can highlight it. What, during a match? Well, highlight and it during the commentary. It's uh, the kick-off here in this appalling country's <laughs> human rights record. And honestly, I think, oh, someone's kicking a ball. But honestly, the, the amount of immigrant workers who've died, it's a shocker. Oh, it's a goal! <laughs> like, I think they were very fair... I don't think that they were unkind. I think they were just like, what are you doing? And his argument, you know, that like, you know, well, you have a choice. You either go and you raise the issues or you don't go and you say nothing. And they were like, well, no, you can say something. (laughs) Like, you don't have to go to say something. (laughs) You can stay in England and not be paid and say something too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's it's a really troubling, a really, really troubling thing that's happening right now. And um, it's going to be really tricky to watch it all play out over the next number of weeks. Before I let you go, um, just have to give a little, acknowledgement to the fact that Sean Penn has given Zelensky his Oscar <laughs> uh, oh, I wish you could see Aoife's face I right don't, now I, do, I actually don't even know where to start with this this is worse than Bono in the bunker like I, I've, so Sean Penn the actor yeah very <laughs> good Morgan. actor yep. very good yeah, actor great great yeah. actor uh, personal life very checkered. <laughs> yeah. Previously not great to woman. Yes. But now very great to the Ukrainian people, apparently. Sean Penn has given President Zelensky of Ukraine one of his Oscars. <laughs> As a symbol of faith in Ukraine's victory over Russia. The best actor award will stay with the leader of Ukraine until the end of the war. Uh, this is for you, <laughs> Sean Penn said. It's just a symbolic, silly thing. Well, he's got one thing, right? Telling us, yeah. But if I know this is here with you, then I'll feel better and stronger for the fight. Okay, let's discuss. Sean Penn is not in the fight. Sean Penn is not a soldier in Ukraine. He's not even Ukrainian. He doesn't have any link to Ukraine whatsoever. I find it weird that Zelensky is even putting up with this nonsense so he's got a war to fight. But then he said, when you win, bring it back to Malibu. I'll feel much better knowing a piece of me is here. What are you talking about? So is the piece of him Zelensky? 
<laughs> the Oscar. The like, Oscar. It's so, so arrogant. It's like, I'm going to give you this thing, which is so precious to me because I know you're going to win and I know you're going to bring it back home to me. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like in the grand it, scheme of like literal war that is in, in which people are dying and losing their homes and having to flee their country. Your Oscar? Your Oscar. Are you kidding me? I also would say that Sean Penn definitely has a bob or two. Why doesn't he give him some money? I'm sure Ukraine could use some money. Like the actual, I would, I really truly want people to look up the video in which Sean Penn. It's wild. President Zelensky. President Zelensky is so haunted in these. (laughs) This man is holding this Oscar. Like what is happening in my life? (laughs) I, uh, I, I, can't, I can't think of anything no. funny to say like this There's is honestly one of the strangest things yeah it is the most egotistical ridiculous Hollywood arsehole thing if I had made this up you would not put it in like a tv show it's true uh, it's too sorry far-fetched. this is the biggest rant I have ever gone on it's it's absolutely <laughs> not but but it's good that you think it is image on this Yes, perhaps, perhaps. Aoife Moore, thank you so much. You've put it beautifully as always. Um, Good luck with the lads now when you go and give your talk. And um, you can read Aoife's work in the Sunday Times Ireland. Thank you. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, super excited about my guest this week. Um, I've gotten so many requests from you guys for me to cover beauty somehow. I, it doesn't really fit within the current format of this podcast. But as I keep saying, I do want to grow this and I have ideas. So we'll see what happens down the line. But anyway, in the meantime, um, Dr. David Jack was in Dublin a couple of weeks ago to celebrate the launch of his skincare line. Um, and I was lucky enough to have a, a lovely lunch with him. And I found him to be just absolutely intriguing because... He's kind of the opposite of the hard sell. Um, His kind of ethos is more based on simplicity than anything else. And I thought you would also be interested to hear kind of where he feels like people are going wrong when it comes to their skincare and and what people should be doing. Um, He, yeah, he's great. And I think you're really going to enjoy this. This is Dr. David Jack. Well, Dr. David Jack, thank you so much for joining me. We met, God, it feels like ages ago, but I think it was only about two weeks ago in Dublin um, when you were here to to tell some of us beauty writers about your products because you have some skincare products. And when I was listening to you talk, I thought I just, I have got to get this man on my podcast because women... And it is mostly women who listen to me, but people, I suppose, have become completely obsessed with skincare. And at times it can be really overwhelming. And I found your kind of ethos really refreshing because you're kind of a less is more guy, right? Yeah, totally, totally. I think you don't, the, the key is that you don't actually need much for your skin to kind of optimize its health. Right. And yeah, cause as I'm sure you, you know that your skin is actually an organ that is like any other organ in your body that has its own kind of self-supporting mechanisms. So it's got its own physiology. It, is, it will kind of repair itself. Um, and so there's not really that much need to use that much on your skin. And there's all of this kind of noise around about you've got to use this you've got to use this ingredient you've got to use that and things and I think there's it's all really I mean there's a huge amount of marketing behind skincare and Mm. that's all it is 
So I think there are some things that have been kind of discovered in recent years that can help your skin, support your skin's own physiology um, mm. and also to kind of protect your skin against the key things that are, are causing it to age and, and, and kind of change over time. But there are very limited things and mm. that is what my kind of skincare philosophy is based on, that you don't need much your skin will support it itself and just use a very few number of things that do have actually strong evidence behind them and then your skin will thank you for that. Yeah, because your range at the moment is based mainly around three products. There's a, a like a, a moisturizer with SPF for daytime, there's a serum and there's an, a night cream and that's it, yeah. you know, a vitamin C serum, which I don't think people will be surprised to hear if they're into skincare because vitamin C, you yeah. know, is an antioxidant and has lots of brightening qualities. Exactly. So you're obviously into that. But like, I thought that was really interesting that you know you only have the three products so why mm. those three products in terms of what people yeah. should be looking for in their own skincare routine sure. so so the thing that you have to think about is what is actually happening to the skin on a daily basis yeah. and what's causing injury and what's causing things to change obviously there's genetic things that we can't really do very much about other than kind of eating well and mm. looking after our bodies so i think i mean from that point of view lifestyle kind of covers that pretty much and maybe some supplements and things can help Mm. with that but on your skin surface the key things that are causing issues are uv exposure from sunlight yeah and and from i mean if people are using sunbeds which they shouldn't be doing that's obviously another factor but there's also pollution and other other kind of aspects of oxidative stress which can come from outside and it can also come from inside from processes like glycation and all these sorts of things that happen when we eat things that are inflammatory so UV light is, is kind of the number one thing that we want to deal with on a daily basis. So using a good high factor SPF that's broad spectrum covers against UVA and UVB light. UVA light is present year round. So it's important to use an SPF on a daily basis for the whole year, not mm. just in the summertime. And that's the thing that penetrates really deeply into your skin. So it can affect the, even down to the fat of the face. Mm. Um, and that will cause fat breakdown and things over time. So the number one thing that I was always going to have in my range is a sunscreen and any skincare brand that says that they've got one sort of hero product that doesn't have an SPF in it is, is really not doing not doing right for people. Mm. So SPF is the, the, the key thing. <clears throat> Everybody should be using that on a daily basis. Yeah. The thing, as I said, that's happening on a daily basis to the skin is that they're exposed to pollution and then there's oxidative, oxidative stress from things like glycation. If, we're, if you kind of eat lots of simple sugars, Smoking causes glycation and um, and also eating things like uh, very inflammatory sort of animal-based products as well. So, What do you mean by that? The, What's an inflammatory animal-based product that we so might be it's, eating? It's things that are from kind of um, animal protein breakdown okay. uh, in the body. So, so there, there are lots of molecules that are produced when we break down certain kind of rotting materials in our gut. Um, and that... These kind of make it make their way into bloodstream and then cause cause kind of oxidative stress in all of the organs, including the heart, but also the the skin as well through the, through its blood supply. But what? So, give me. I'm sorry. I need an example. Like what? Sure. Yeah. What yeah, kind so, of? So there, there are a number of different molecules that come from things like eating eating kind of cheese um, okay. and um, and also things like um, kind of overly overly heated uh, meats as oh, okay. well. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so it's like, very specific. Like, yeah. Okay. Got yeah, it. If you like fry food or grill it, then then it increases the number of these these kind of glycation end products. Okay. Got it. 
um, which then then go on to kind of cause inflammation and and all tissues. But anyway, the essential thing is that all of these processes are causing inflammation and oxidative stress in the skin. Mm. So we want to use, when we're thinking about skincare and looking after this, the health of the skin, we want to use antioxidants a couple of times each day and also anti-inflammatory molecules. Mm. So this can be very easily done with ingredients like vitamin C, mm. retinoids, which are based on vitamin A, other things like azelaic acid, um, niacinamide is another example of a, a vitamin that, that is, has lots of very kind of anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties. Right. So my my take on things is that you should probably at least pulse these things twice a day right. so to start the day i've got antioxidant serum which you put on first thing in the morning after you cleanse your skin gives you that first layer of antioxidant and it also kind of protects your skin uh, through the day against oxidative stress from pollution so it right. provides a layer of protection um from from oxidative things not not uv but oxidative things yeah and then obviously the sunscreen is next for protection against UV light, right. which also causes oxidative stress as well. Okay. Um, and then in the evening, once your skin's been exposed to, to all the stress through the day from, from pollution, all of these things that maybe kind of relate to diet, smoking, blah, 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 um, then you want to have another, clean, clean your skin in the evening, and then you want to have another kind of pulse of, of antioxidants as well. And that's where the night cream comes in. Mm. And my night cream, I use a fourth generation retinoid. Um, retinoids are all based on vitamin A, mm. which is one of the, the most studied ingredients in skincare. And it's something that helps with cell turnover. It helps with treating things like pigmentation, which often happens as a result of sun damage through the day. It also helps with collagen stimulation and lots of other things in the skin. So it's a really nice thing to use at nighttime. Mm. Retinoids should always be used at night because they're they're often broken down by UV light during the day. So you should always use your retinoid at night. And essentially that is literally all that your skin could possibly need to, to support mm. itself throughout the day, which can very easily be combined into, into just these three products. So what about, like, I feel like we're all really obsessed with exfoliation um, and mm. like lots of us are using you know, various acids and, you know, mm. some people are still using, you know, physical exfoliants. Mm. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think people are definitely over exfoliating. And okay. this is something that I see all the time in clinic with people with really, really sensitive skin. And you've got to think about your skin again as an organ that is a barrier to the outside world. And what happens your skin kind of builds up dead cells on its surface and then they just naturally slough off with time. But we've gotten into this habit with, with really harsh skincare of like really stripping that, that barrier back. Mm. And what it does is it leaves the, the underlying more fresh uh, layers of skin exposed, mm. which then sort of encourages overgrowth of certain bacteria in the skin. It upsets the skin's microbiome. And this all relates back to kind of sensitivity, eventually inflammation, and then oxidative stress. So you're kind of going against your skin's natural mechanisms by over exfoliating. Okay. I think the nice thing about exfoliation is that you get a kind of instant glow, which relates to kind of, I guess, hydration and, mm. and maybe a tiny bit of inflammation, which looks nice, but it's not actually doing any favor to your skin necessarily longer term. Okay. What so are my, my take, oh, oh, no, go on. No, please don't, don't no, let no, me interrupt say, you. <laughs> my take on exfoliation is that it's fine maybe to do once a week, right. um, but not really any more than that. Because okay. it also helps any, any skincare uh, actives that you're using to penetrate a bit deeper as well, but just don't overdo it. Okay. Okay. This is a, these, these are great tips. So what are some of the other mistakes that you're seeing people making on a regular basis? 
Um, I think I think that people are just layering too many products that maybe don't work together. Um, okay. Because obviously, to, to make a product, you've got to go through this whole process of stabilization and compatibility testing and things. And often, if people are kind of chopping and changing between different serums and things in in their routine and layering lots of different things that maybe haven't been stabilized together, they don't work very well together. The ingredients maybe interact with each other mm. then that's that's kind of potentially causing uh, some some kind of irritation and, and oxidative stress again and mm. um, I think that people still don't wear sunscreen I think that that's mm. still an issue that they think in the, the winter time that they're, they're they're kind of they don't need to because it's it's not as bright sunshine but as I said UVA is is there year round it's um it's the one that penetrates really deeply into your skin it accounts for about 95 percent of the sunlight that hits our faces mm. so so that's the that's that's the key and I think again it's just using too harsh products mm. and it's just the the barrier back so mm. yeah okay so I it seems to me that simplifying things and you know really I suppose I think people get overwhelmed with information you know because the marketing can be so intense <laughs> and then you've got brands like you know the ordinary say who mm. like obviously have done a great job i think of democratizing people's access to mm. skincare because it's inexpensive yeah. and not everybody can afford to spend a lot of money on their skincare but like there's so many products like i just don't know where to even begin there and then you kind of feel like you're failing if you don't have you know uh -huh. seven ten twelve steps to your routine exactly exactly yeah i mean you've got to think of it that this is all designed to to sell more stuff yeah um that we don't need which i think is just yeah it's it's really is it's pure marketing these yeah. things I, I just think that if you can kind of understand what you're doing with skincare um as with anything yeah then you realize that things actually should be very simple but as with everything in life yeah. Okay. Well, look, I've got some more questions for you. Um, I will say to um, my beloved listeners, when I met David, I obviously, after I'd had a few drinks, I was like, what would you do to my face? <laughs> And you very kindly covered his weariness um, and gave me an actual answer because I feel like you must be plagued by that. I feel like people must ask you that all day, every day, everywhere you go. Do they? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. I've got I've got that in clinic, obviously, yeah. about 20 times a day. And then then definitely in the evening when I go home. Well, so, yeah. in the evening when you go home, <laughs> like oh, you poor thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Well, I just, I was on your website this morning, of your clinic's website, as opposed to uh, your, your kind of products website. Yeah. And um, I really like, you know, on your homepage, the first thing you see is naturally beautiful, rejuvenate, refresh and reverse bespoke anti-aging solutions to maintain your natural beauty. There's a real emphasis on natural beauty there. Um, which I think yeah. is interesting because we really do live in a time where people are using a lot of people are using their faces as kind of a starting point <laughs> for mm, yeah, yeah. for you know something completely different yeah, what, yeah. what's your take on that yeah I mean I think I, I really hate this overdone look um, and I think again with with treatments things should be done that are appropriate for the person mm. um, there, there's all of these things where, where you go into a skin clinic you have like somebody look at you that you say you need a whole list of things which again is a sales technique and then mm. people are kind of like forced into this way of thinking that that they're not good enough and they they, they feel they're then pushed to kind of do things that they don't necessarily need mm. so I think that always with treatments it should be on a kind of need basis as well mm. um, and we all we all age we all our faces change and things but what I never want to do is kind of change somebody's face yeah. to, to make different face and mm. which is the mistake that so many practitioners I would say do yeah try to build 
new structures in that person's face and with any any treatment what you should be doing is just really optimizing that that person's skin and then kind of facial structure which is appropriate for the their age so like rebuilding things um which where volume's been lost maybe with some fillers and right and just changing some of the dynamics with, with neurotoxins and improving skin quality rather than trying to kind of create a new face that that is definitely the way that I approach things I can't not ask you about lips because everyone is obsessed and I know you do lip enhancement in your clinic um but I I guess I've been you know and a conversation that my friends and I have had so many times over the last 10 years say is can lip filler ever look natural and currently where we are (laughs) is no but I presume you are doing the most natural beautiful kind of Harley Street lip filler undetectable stuff it should be undetectable pretty much and the the only way I think lip filler should be done is to replace lost volume and um, it should never be about trying to kind of create silly things like these Russian lips that you hear about Instagram and stuff it should just be using the, the really really minimal volume that you possibly could use to replace the the lost volume which happens over time so I have a lot of people that are maybe in their 60s yeah. who have just a bit of volume in their lips yeah but really the lips particularly I'd say in Caucasian people what happens is you just lose so much volume that yeah. the lips appear little slits yeah and we often don't have much to begin with so yeah yeah, (laughs) i'll speak for myself (laughs) my my top lip is slowly but surely saying goodbye to me (laughs) yeah yeah so so what 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 with with lip fillers what what you should really just be doing is using say it's even less that less than say half a syringe of filler Mm. to on the top and bottom lip restoring the the kind of normal proportions Mm. and also maybe treating the area around about the mouth where there has also been some fat loss Mm. and this is all that lip filler should be used for Um, okay so yeah if if it's used to kind of try to define a border of a lip or create a cupid's bow where there isn't any then it's a you're in a hiding to disaster because it will always look like you've had something done and then there's often migration as well isn't there Mm. i see that a lot around um where it looks like the filler has gone has kind of left the lips and is like moving yeah. up the face why does yeah. that happen so that happens a filler can sometimes migrate um but particularly if it's used in too high volumes right um, okay yeah so yeah partly and also it's a, a kind of technique thing as well so as i said if people try to define the border mm. the inevitable thing that happens is that you get some spread of the filler around about where it's being injected if it's just along the the kind of pink white border of the lip some will spread upwards some will spread downwards into the lip so that's why I would never kind of say that's a a good technique so but if someone is has had that happen you can get it Mm. dissolved right that's a process yeah Yeah. is that painful it's a bit painful yeah. lip filler is generally not particularly pleasant because yeah. it's a really sensitive area it's a bit like squeezing a spot on your lip yeah you know, it's tears to your eyes but it's um the the dissolving is is fairly similar it, okay. it feels similar to that so, okay yeah. um so what if you don't currently have a clinic in dublin i'm crossing my fingers and clutching the wood yeah. table that i'm sitting at that that might change soon <laughs> but for people who are in yay (laughs) for people who are looking for someone now what kind of questions should you be asking a doctor if you go and see them and and what kind of things should you be looking for to make sure that you're going to see someone who's going to treat you appropriately 
Yeah, I think the the main thing, I always think that word of mouth is the best way for this thing. If you see somebody yeah. that looks well, you, it turns out they've had something done, then that's mm. always a good good starting point. Obviously, there's the things that you want to ask somebody about their their, their self and their training and things that, that, that they they know how to use hyalase. If you're having filler, that, that they can break things down. Mm. You want to make sure that their all their medical accreditations are actually real. Mm. Uh, that really shouldn't be an, a sort of an issue these days, though. Um, and you also just want to, to know that they've had plenty of experience as well. It's not just somebody that's just set up shop and you're they're going to inject a ton of filler into your face. So yeah, uh, you, you want to kind of go to somewhere that, that's kind of well-known um mm. a doctor that's been around for a while yeah and naturally over time they, they'll sort of develop competencies and yeah they uh, will be able to do things appropriately yeah I mean I suppose it kind of sounds like maybe if someone if you feel like someone's trying to give you a hard sell that might be a bit of a mm. red flag totally totally yeah. yeah yeah you should never be I always think you should never be told by a doctor that you need to do this Okay. And they come in and say, we'll create new cheekbones for you. We'll, we'll give you new lips and stuff. Mm. I think that that's definitely a red flag. Mm. I think that always the way that I would start a consultation is just by asking the person what bothers them most mm. rather than try and start to sell them things and, yeah. and kind of um, sort of shame them into doing treatments yeah. that, they, that they don't need. I mean, look, we all just want the skin of newborn babies. Like, is it so much to ask for? <laughs> It's not, not too much. <laughs> okay, well, please come to Dublin soon. Um, I thank you so much, Dr. David Jack. Um, you really, I find your approach so refreshing um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Louise. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now it is time to catch up on the week's entertainment stories from I'm a Celeb to Phoebe Bridgers and Paul Meskel possibly being engaged. This week our guide is author and columnist Emer McLysis. What a joy it is to be joined once again by Irish Times columnist and author of the Oh My God What a Complete Ashing books along with Sarah Breen. It's Emer McLysis. Oh you sound quite accomplished there. You are quite accomplished. <laughs> are you joking? You're like Irish Times columnist. I was like no who's that? It's 50% me. responsible for an, an Irish 
publishing phenomenon. Okay, I'll take it's, that. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're very accomplished. And I'm very lucky to have you here on the podcast again. And we are here to talk about the celebs. What have they been up to? What's been going on this week in the world of entertainment? And we'll start with I'm a Celeb. I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. Do you watch it? Um, I haven't been watching it this year. I have watched it on and off yeah. over the years. I never watched it. It was one of those things like, I don't watch Strictly. It, it, just yeah. one of those things that I'm just like, yeah, cool, like, not for me. Yeah. But then... A few years ago, and I, I can't put my finger on which series it was, my friend was like, no, watch it. Like, honestly, it's really good. And me and Gordon, it was, I think we had a new baby. And we were like, oh, sure, we're not going to be going out. Like, Because it's kind of like Love Island. It's kind of on every night, yeah. isn't it? So you get really into yeah. it. Yeah. And the episodes are sometimes an hour and a half long. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's full on. So we were like, oh, we'll give it a go. And that year happened to be a brilliant series. But it really depends on who's in there yeah. and how they get on. I remember I happened to watch it the year Kerry Katona won it. I remember that was a really good yes. year. I think any time I've watched it, I've always been like, yeah, I love this. Yeah. I struggle a little bit with some of the creepy crawlies. Like, I am not yes. a spider person at all. Yeah. So I think maybe sometimes that has put me off a little bit or I can't watch those bits. Yeah. Um, but other than that, so I hadn't started watching it this year, but because I knew Olivia Atwood was going to be on it, yes. I was like, I, I just haven't gotten around to watching the you know first few episodes. I need to catch up. Yeah. And then before I knew it, Olivia Atwood is no longer in the jungle. I know, this is so devastating. And just for anyone who doesn't know who Olivia Atwood is, like, why are we so excited? Why were we so excited that she was going in? So Olivia Atwood is probably, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, is probably one of my favourite, if not one of my top three Love Island contestants of all time. Mm. She was the year of Chris and Kem and Kem and Amber. And I think Camilla and Jamie were that year as well. Yeah, I think they were. So she had the whole romance drama with Chris and they were on again, off again. And she was kind of the hated one for ages. And I remember there was like a few of us who were like, no, she's actually the really good one. I definitely know Jen Gannon, who you mm. often have on here, was very early on going, no, watch Olivia. She's going to be the best. And Jen always knows. Yeah. So I loved Olivia. And yeah, so, she was no nonsense. No nonsense. Like says what she thinks, kind of, but sound. Kind of like tough girl yeah. with the soft interior, you know. Yeah. So... I just was dying f to see her in another reality show yeah. setting and I thought she'd be so good on Me I'm a Celeb. But, I mean, it was only two or three days into it. Yeah, she was in one gone. episode. Or so, she, was in, she was in the opening episode and then she kind of featured in the second episode. But even by the time the second episode aired, they opened, the, they yeah. opened it by saying she's left the show. And I remember hearing earlier on in the week, it was like Olivia Atwood, you know, is gone from the jungle. And I was like, what? She, I just assumed... A lot of them go in, Gemma Collins, famously, mm. iconically, can handle it and have to leave again straight away. And I was like, I didn't think Olivia would leave straight away. No, and she was super enthusiastic the first episode. Like, I think she was the person of everyone who seemed the most like, oh my God, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. I've always wanted to do this. Like, this is amazing. So yeah, it was a shock. But, but they're saying it's medical reasons? It's really mysterious. So <clears throat> there's been a couple of kind of theories it was that she had to leave the camp for medical reasons and then because she was exposed to COVID she would have had to quarantine for a week and they couldn't put her back in that's been kind of disproved because she's already back in the UK so if she was quarantining she wouldn't be allowed on a yeah, plane yeah and they actually so, posted on her account that it had nothing yeah, to do with COVID she, her like her own Instagram account I think she published a statement earlier in the week that said the viewers will hear the truth in due course but ITV are saying it is for medical reasons. So, but I mean, presumably they have to have some kind of medical assessment before they go into yeah. the jungle because it is, you know, an ex a stressful and anxiety inducing experience. So I presume they have to have a clean bill of health. Have you heard the 
No. Some people are saying maybe she's pregnant. <gasps> oh. Which I'm not saying, you know, one way or the other, but it would make sense. It would make sense. Like if she went in, because what they're saying is she really wanted to stay. If you were pregnant. Yeah. I and don't... you found out when you went in. Yeah. And then you'd be like, oh, no, I still want to do it. But they'd be like, no way. Yeah, no, you couldn't. So they... you can see that kind of, okay, it does make yeah, sense. that would make sense. But who knows? Hear the truth in due course. Yeah, I, I mean... That would make sense. I yeah. can't think of anything else it could be. Mm. Because if they'd found something, you know, upsetting or sinister in her health, then... Maybe she had worms. Maybe she had worms. Maybe Although, she had, maybe there's she had so many worms in there already. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so sad. So sad. So now I'm like, will I bother? Probably not. Well, I was, I was kind of like that as well. But then I watched the next episode and there's a guy in there, Owen, like a, you know, classically good looking man who is on Hollyoaks and he's so delightfully thick okay like I mean just you absolutely adore him because he is so thick maybe, maybe um, and I'll he's give it made a go. it he made me kind of stick with it but then obviously last night big drama Matt um, Hancock has as gone we record in. last night Matt Hancock yeah. has gone in yeah. so Matt Hancock um if you've forgotten his name was the health secretary in the UK during COVID he was the one famously caught on office CCTV or something like having a grope with his aide at a time when people were supposed to be staying six uh, feet apart and I mean he has a wife etc so he I think resigned his post as health secretary and now since he said he was going into the jungle he's lost his party whip so he's a conservative but now he's independent in the Mm. House of Commons like why is he doing it? Yeah. For the money, some PR, you know, they always get a PR, you know, expert to comment and they think he's probably being paid 350 grand to do it, which is a nice little, you well, know, chunk was of change. Interesting last night because he arrived into camp and he was met with like a bristly yeah. response by most of the campers. I read that Boy George was very upset. Yeah, Boy George was kind of in the confessional, in the dunny or whatever the place, the whatever the hut that they talk to the camera in is and he was like look you know basically his mom had to be hospitalized during COVID he wasn't allowed to go in and he was like if she had died like I would be he wouldn't be able to stay in with yeah, Matt so, Hancock no yeah. way and then he and but then he went on uh, kind of later in the episode he was like I actually still don't know if I can stay with him and you know I've read some analysis of this and it does change the vibe like very decidedly mm. because it brings kind of a real life in there that you, you kind of don't really normally get. And, you know, I read a tweet that was saying that like Ant and Deck are normally us reacting yeah. Yeah. to them. But Ant and Deck kind of have to say like jolly, like, oh, ho, ho, this is gas. Yeah. Even though it's actually kind of just upsetting to see someone so arrogantly think he can just like if they see the real me they'll love me like no and the thing with like people who go on these celebrity shows these reality shows they are kind of caricatures yeah like Olivia Atwood is still kind of like they're all in these bubbles whereas Mm. someone like a politician like they don't tend to have the charisma the humour whatever it is that makes somebody a celebrity that's not what they have. Yeah, because they're not celebrities. Yeah. They're politicians. It's a different thing. Yeah, I was trying to think of other celebrities who've done reality. One of the most famous ones, and I was a big Big Brother fan back in the day, was George Galloway. Yeah, who went on Celebrity Big Brother. <laughs> Would you like? Would you me like me to, to be, be the, the cat? cat? One of the most upsetting things that has ever Terrible. been on television Terrible. is George Galloway pretending to be a cat and <laughs> drink some milk from a bowl. Um, Ed Balls then went on. Strictly Come Dancing. Oh, yeah. And I can't believe I'm admitting this, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, see, very good. Definitely fancy, do oh, Wow. 
Something about Strictly. Wow. Do you remember the time wow. I lost my mind completely and fancied Peter Andre? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten, actually, but I'm glad that you reminded me. <laughs> something about Strictly. Now, I haven't actually watched it in a couple of years, but something about Strictly can really, you know, make your fancy head balls. <laughs> but he actually came out of that looking really well because his dancing wasn't as atrocious as most politicians' dancing is on those shows. Yeah. And he just had a bit of charisma. But also Ed Balls didn't publicly cheat on his wife and grope a colleague at a time when people weren't allowed yeah. to go to their loved one's funerals. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's not, it's no small thing that Matt Hancock did. Exactly. And people are not ready to forgive him. And, you know, he's the person who has to do, we're recording this on Thursday, so he's the person who has to do the Bush Tucker trial tonight. Apparently there And I think he'll, they, he'll, he'll just have to keep doing them and then the minute people can vote him out, he'll be gone. Yeah. Um, when, there's a quote I can't from, wait for him to go. Um, the Northern Ireland Secretary Chris Heaton-Harris suggested earlier today that quite a lot of politicians have downloaded the show's app to vote for Hancock to take part in more trials. So yeah. I think that happened a few years ago that there was this concerted effort to make sure the same person got the trial all the McKeith, time. Right? Oh my god! Yes, it was, yeah. and it just gets boring. Exactly, it's the same this person is the thing. The I think it will be boring, and I think everybody's just waiting for him to go, and it's going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it was a mistake for them to put him in there. To be honest, yeah. a lot Are of there press, still more people to go in. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They kind of tend yeah. to bring people in. And right Sean Walsh went in. Through. Famously, Sean Walsh. Sean Walsh, the guy who went on Strictly and cheated on his fiance with his dancing partner. Oh, I didn't know that. The Curse of Strictly. Yeah. Well, he seems to have kind of overcome it. Two cheaters together. Yeah. Um. Okay, let's briefly talk about, I mentioned this at the end of the podcast last week because it had happened after we did the entertainment catch-up. Johnny Depp was in the Savage X Fenty show. Um, very disappointing all round. Yeah, so that's already on Amazon Prime and I actually watched some of the start of the show and then I fast-forwarded to the Johnny Depp piece just to see, like, what's, you know, yeah. is this adding anything? It actually is rubbish. His appearance in it is rubbish. It brings down the tone of the whole show. So... It's it it has been met by a lot of shock because Rihanna's work in Savage X Fenty has been to create this really inclusive, mm. really kind of safe yeah. feeling brand mm. for people. And her including Johnny Depp feels like a very pointed, I am including Johnny Depp in this piece of work that I've created. Yeah. Because she's never included any other male celebrity in this way. No, and I mean... Like, they've are, modelled in the show and stuff, but, like, not in, in this way. Yeah, I mean, there are some other celebrities, um, but, like, they're all there kind of for a reason, or they're people of colour, or, mm. you know, it's... The inclusion of Johnny Depp, it just feels like she's saying, I support Johnny Depp. And Rihanna is famously a survivor of domestic abuse. Yeah. And Johnny Depp has said that he was a victim of domestic abuse when he was in a relationship with Amber Heard. So some of the pieces that are online today are saying, is this Rihanna saying, I support Johnny Depp because he's a victim of domestic abuse, allegedly a victim. Mm. But it's just, it feels unnecessary. Well, yeah, because even if you think that, even if you believe that Johnny Depp was a victim of domestic yeah. abuse, and, you know, I'm not arguing about that, yeah. we know that his behaviour within that relationship was 
toxic at best. Yeah. Like, you know, just bare, like literal facts yeah. of the, the things he said, objectively, the messages that he sent. there were a lot sent. of worrying. Yes. Yeah. You know, literally, factually, objectively, there is no question that his behavior was appalling. Yeah. Um, so just to put him on any kind of pedestal or, or give him any kind of platform feels very strange. It it's feels a very really, strange decision. It's a really strange decision. She could have just not. Yeah. She could have just not and it would have been a lovely piece of art Again. And, and people would have really enjoyed it. Yeah, like it's, I, yeah. And I'm, the, the bit that he's in it, it's about halfway through, if you're planning to watch it or watch his bit, it's about halfway through, about the 20 minute mark. And it's him walking towards the camera and he's dressed. I mean, he always has like a bit of his Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. stuff going on. And he's looking into the camera and then he turns and he kind of hugs a tree. Like I'm a, I'm a peace loving tree hugger I don't know yeah. and it's weird and you're like that's Johnny Depp yeah. uh, ugh, no. I thought it was interesting to see Ollie Alexander who has modelled in the Subjects Fenty show and I think Rihanna went to like Ollie's launch party for uh, yeah. the Years and Years album and yeah. stuff like they have a relationship and he said that he won't be wearing no. Subjects Fenty yeah, anymore he, said he's, he yeah. won't be modelling or playing her music yeah. anymore so that's a big move I mean that's yeah. honestly like it's it's a hard one to process yeah, as a Rihanna like it doesn't fan. feel great policing, you know, what Rihanna does. No. Or look, but it just, I just feel like she could have just not. Yeah, it's tricky because as you say, like she obviously has her own complicated history with domestic abuse. And like, you know, I will argue till the cows come home that people can do what they feel is mm. right. But when you are Rihanna... And when you have built, as you say, something that feels so inclusive and safe and kind of... You know, I guess I would have felt as a plus size person, mm. you know, kind of for me as well as everybody yeah. else. When you decide to do something like this and make a statement like this, it just does feel like it changes the vibe. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, on to better news. Bad Sisters, Sharon Horgan's series, which I have watched only the first episode of. And it's not because I don't plan on watching the rest <laughs> of it. It's just I just haven't had time and people are raving about yeah. it. Bad yeah. Sisters has gotten a season two. Yeah, I've actually I'm halfway through. So I've watched four episodes. Mm. And again, it's not because I don't watch it. I just hadn't got around to it. But people just keep I just know it's going to be spoiled for me so I've started yeah. watching it really quickly really enjoying it amazing characters so it's got a season two on Apple TV and it was never supposed so it's based on this Belgian show called Clan and it's ba like the story is the same but they've obviously rewritten it it's all based in Ireland most of the actors are Irish um, or doing Irish accents um, but it as I understand, it has a very definite ending. Mm. So it was never supposed to have a season two, but it's gotten such an amazing reaction that they've decided they're going to go ahead and do a season mm. two, which is interesting because even though I've only seen half of it, I can kind of assume what happens. You know, I can kind of yeah. th think ahead and go, okay, I know how it's going to be tied up. So it'll be interesting to see where they take the story for yeah. the second season. It seems like people just really love the characters, like yeah, the actual the the sisters. Yeah. are really enjoyable and they work really well together. Yeah, It's set, I mean, you've seen the first episode, its setting is really interesting to me because it's set in very affluent Dublin. Mm. It's set, you know, around the 40-foot Sandy Cove, Kalini mm. area. Mm. So they all live in these massive houses and I'm sure that was a choice mm. but it's kind of like there's a part of me that's like I'm finding it difficult to mm. really care about them <laughs> um not that people who live in big houses don't have Sharon problems Horgan, there's a housing crisis yeah <laughs> but I mean they're 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 not real characters so I'm yeah. like, oh, I mean they're like oh we won't have the money for that and I'm like well you could sell that house here and it's worth a lot of money and do you think you'd have that same conflict if it was in you know America and they were all in big houses 
Um, I probably would. Do you think, yeah? But I think... I don't, like, it's just, it's not really addressed that they're in all these big houses. Right. I think as in the four episodes I've seen, there's one line that's like, oh, they're fancy houses or something. Okay. I don't know, is it part of the story that they're, like, it doesn't really, they don't really seem to need to be very wealthy mm. for the story to take place. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just wanted it for the aesthetic because it looks good mm. and all the locations look good. And Ireland looks great and it's great, always great to watch something filmed in Ireland or Dublin because mm. you recognise mm-hmm. all the places. Like there's a scene in Panty Bar, there's several scenes at the 40 foot. Mm. Um, but I guess as an Irish person, you're kind of like, oh, well for them and they're really yes. in South <laughs> County <laughs> Dublin. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think my my kind of bitterness and or jealousy would be quite Dublin focused or yeah. Ireland focused. Um, okay very sad news about Aaron Carter this week every week we've got I feel like every week for the last five weeks there's been sad news about a celebrity this is particularly sad because Aaron Aaron Carter excuse me so young yeah he was 34 this feels like a death and I don't want this to sound insensitive but that you were almost expecting to come at some stage no I know what you mean Um, I mean he really visibly struggled with substance abuse and for, mental health since so. he was a teenager yeah um so this is aaron Cor- aaron carter like a star celebrity in his own right but also the younger brother of backstreet boy nick carter mm. um i was probably too old for his music and stuff like that um but i do remember watching they had this one season of a reality show yeah house of carter mm-hmm. chaotic i, I also mean, watched that yeah. they troubling. were yeah very troubling <laughs> damaged family i yeah. would say yeah i mean i know nick has struggled with substance abuse issues they had a sister leslie who died and i think her cause of death was found to be prescription medication yeah, she fell in the shower yeah mm-hmm. um so a really troubled family aaron carter he he was in later years diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar like mm. really difficult to deal with yeah and it just seems like i mean i don't think his cause of death has actually been released but he was found in his home yeah. i think possibly in the bathroom mm. it was known that he was struggling with um some addiction, like currently struggling with some addictions, yeah. um, which may have contributed to his death. But it's really sad. Um, Hilary Duff, who he worked with in Lizzie McGuire, which I did watch when even though I was far too old to be watching <laughs> so it. So did I. <laughs> and they had her, an actual relationship, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 So she wrote a lovely tribute. Um, she said, I'm so sorry life was so hard for you and you had to struggle in front of the whole world. Mm. Um, she said, boy, did my teenage self love you deeply. Sending love to your family. Rest easy like that. It's just... yeah would send a shiver up your spine but that's it isn't it you know some people it does just feel like life is just very hard for them yeah and and maybe now you know he he will be at some kind of peace yeah yeah absolutely yeah um and finally to finish on some good news although i know there will be a lot of hearts broken um (laughs) i feel like hearts of all genders and sexualities will be broken uh phoebe bridgers and paul maskell apparently engaged or are they well, this is it. I mean, <laughs> so, but they haven't denied it, have they? They haven't confirmed nor denied it. See, I think by not denying yeah. it, they're confirming so, it. So um, he's doing big interviews at the moment because his film After Sun, which I actually saw earlier this week, is coming out on the 18th Yes, I was November. very jealous of you at that screener. I've heard yeah. it's amazing. It's amazing, um, but like challenging okay. enough. Yeah. Like it's not a straightforward film. Oh, it's a film film. It's a film film. Yeah, got um, it. It's quite arty in places. Mm. But I was saying, I went to see it with Sarah, who I write books with, and I came out and I was like, there were bits of that that I wasn't sure about, but it felt 
greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Like when it got to the end, I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, challenging, beautiful. Mm. He plays this like 90s sad dad, like it's set in the 90s yeah. on like a package holiday in mm. Turkey. And they get the 90s really well. Oh, good. It's not overdone. Okay. And um, the music is amazing. It's all 90s. That's the only thing that maybe hits you over the head a little bit too hard. Okay, yeah. There's a lot of music in it. Okay. Um, oh, I can't wait to see that. But yeah. But anyway, um, he did an interview with The Guardian. And The Guardian originally published that he and Phoebe Bridgers are engaged. And someone in his camp, I would say, immediately got on and said, sorry, we didn't. Or... The, my other theory is he said that to the reporter off the record mm. and it wasn't supposed to go in. Mm. Guardian then published a correction and said, um, an earlier version said Mescal and Bridgers are now engaged. This had been reported elsewhere, has not been confirmed by the couple. Mm. Has never been confirmed. I mean, they could be married for all we know. Yeah, exactly. I think he wears a ring on his, you know, yeah. wedding finger or whatever. Like in a way, I think whether they actually are or aren't isn't as interesting as the huge yeah. response that this yeah. news got. I mean, I mean people went like mad. Their whole relationship is a rom-com. Yeah. Like they met, I think their first um, engagement was over Twitter. Yeah. Where she was like, I'm sad and horny after watching normal people. And he like retweeted it and was like, oh my God. And then they started DMing yeah. and then they did this Instagram live for a brand or for a magazine or something. And it was hard to watch. It was just like, oh my God, this, they're flirting so much. And now, and now he goes on tour with her. But remember, famously during the pandemic. Oh my God, she came to Ireland came and to broke Ireland. the kind of pandemic yes. rules. And everyone was kind of like, and we oh found well. out because, I just love this because it's so Irish. We found out because they went to a cafe in Kinsale, which I've been to, by the way, lovely place. <laughs> And the cafe owners were so delighted that they told the local newspaper. <laughs> and they were like, Paul Maskell and Phoebe Bridgers. And everyone was like, okay, but how did she get here? Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, but aren't they lovely? Yeah, exactly. Let's leave them alone. They they didn't, they weren't man, Matt Hancocking. <laughs> no, they weren't. There was a real feeling of conflicted emotions yeah, there, I have to say. But um, he's only 26. Yeah, he's so young. I'm guessing she's mid to late 20s. So it's, 26 is young to yeah. be getting engaged and getting married. Too young now, if you ask me. Um, but I mean, I don't know what that he, also did, he also She's did. She's 28. Okay. He also did a long form interview with GQ and he addressed some things that I hadn't heard him addressing before. One of them was the live line controversy about the sex scenes and normal people. Oh. And he was kind of like, there are more important things to worry about. Like get a hold of yourselves. I know, but they've got an hour to fill every day, Emer. And sometimes those hours don't fill themselves. Um, he also gave an example of like when people come up to him and when it's annoying, he said, the classic is like a drunk dude coming up to me and being like, my girlfriend really fucking love the show and I'm like you don't need to be ashamed that you watched it dude yeah, yeah. it's okay to say you liked normal people I love it and he has that period romance with Josh O'Connor he hasn't started filming it yet but oh, that'll be good the internet will not be able Emer, I, I feel like I can feel your <laughs> want like, from across the table My Josh God. O'Connor is most famous for playing Prince Charles in the crown. Yeah. Don't hold that against him. He's not actually Prince Charles. No. <laughs> Note to self. Yeah. Well, Emer McLeish said, thank you so, so much. Uh, you know, people can read your work every week in the Irish Times magazine. She's at the front. You can't miss her. And um, then, of course, there's the new Oh My God, What a Complete Ashing Diary is out. Yes, 2023 is in the shops. And Sarah and I are currently writing book five. The last one. The last one. So we're not, oh God, we're not far from the end, guys. Ashling five, the bloodening. <laughs> <laughs> That's not really the name, is no. it? 
<laughs> Although, well, there you go, right on the list. Thank you so much. Now, before I go, my friends, I actually have some recommendations for you. Can you believe it? I know, shocking. I have been living such an empty life that I haven't had one for ages, I feel like. But I have a few. And I'm going to start with podcasts. Um, You may have heard about these already, but just in case you haven't, I absolutely loved Maeve Higgins on Adam Buxton's podcast. If you're not a regular listener of Adam Buxton's podcast, can I just recommend that you become one? He, I could listen to him talk to anyone and it would be good. And that's the beauty of it. Sometimes he has big name guests. Sometimes he has people who you've never heard of, but it's always a fascinating conversation. And obviously Maeve is wonderful so it was a real thrill to see your name pop up and the episode is loads of fun and then I listened to Back to the Beach which is the Laguna Hills rewatch podcast presented by Stephen Coletti and Kristen Cavallari so um, obviously they were two-thirds of the big love triangle that was in Laguna Beach which I watched religiously and actually just recently rewatched via Whitney Port's YouTube channel and so yeah and they have been recapping and re-watching all of season one of Laguna Beach which I've actually gone back to the start now of the podcast series to listen to um, but I just tuned in this week for the episode where they had Lauren Conrad on so all three people from that love triangle and it was cool really like interesting to hear a little insights about how much the kind of production of the show impacted on their relationships and stuff like that and how they even came to be in the show in the first place and um, so if you're into that kind of thing that's definitely a recommendation and um, I've also been watching Buying Beverly Hills, staying with reality television. I've been watching Buying Beverly Hills on Netflix um, and really enjoying it. So Buying Beverly Hills, just in case you don't know, is a show um, based around the agency, which is the real estate agency of Mauricio Umansky, who is Kyle Richards of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills' husband. Um, and it's a family business in that it's his business and then his his stepdaughter, Farah, and his daughter, um. Alexia both work with him there and um, I'm really enjoying it it's the perfect combination of like drama and you know getting to look at fancy houses I much prefer it to Selling Sunset to me it feels a lot less produced and a lot more real and um, even though I'm sure it's highly 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 produced and um, it's just so easy to have on in the background if you need to do a big like house job or something um, I've been I've had it on in the background when I've been doing some sorting and organizing this week and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it I have to say and then I this isn't necessarily a recommendation I don't know what it is I guess I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on the Selena Gomez documentary if you watched it because it's on Apple TV plus I watched it I didn't think it was great to be honest um, and I didn't particularly like her um, which was surprising to me but then my friend Jen had like completely the opposite reaction to it so I think it's worth watching like I didn't hate watching it Um, it's definitely watchable Um, and I would be interested if you feel like giving me some thoughts on how how you found it please do send them to me on my old Instagram Louise McSharry on Instagram if you're not following me there let me tell you it is fascinating it's not um it's really not the odd reel that's about as good as it gets but um yeah so that's about that's about the height of it and um, those are my recommendations for you it's time for me to go 
just a little reminder, I really would appreciate it if you would like, subscribe, share, uh, tell someone about this podcast. It's a huge, huge help to me. As I keep saying, I'd like to expand. And the more people who listen, the more of a possibility that is. Um, like to thank ACAST for having me on the network and also thank all my contributors and also thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much like really from the bottom of my heart my eyes are closed my fists are clenched that that's like I really and truly really mean it there would be absolutely no point in me doing this podcast if you weren't listening so I, I thank you and I love you have a great week if you can't have a great week just get through it and I will talk to you next Friday the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart. A better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.